churches are full of people. The broken, the lonely, the wanderers, the hopeful, the enthusiastic, the lost, the passionate, and the faithful. For many, this gathering represents the whole of their church experience. They'll listen attentively to a message, they'll sing a few songs, they'll be invited to pray, and then they'll return to their lives. But for some, questions will start bubbling to the surface of their faith. Is this the extent of what Jesus intended for his followers? Who is the church for? Why does the world need the church? And what is the church after all? Well, the church isn't the building where people attend weekly services. It's not a program, a list of rules, or a philosophy. The church isn't a political affiliation, a country club, or a holiday tradition. The church was never intended to be just an assembly of people wearing nice clothes and saying nice things. The church is all the followers of Jesus everywhere. The Greek word for church is the word ekklesia. It's the combination of two words, ek, which means out, and kaleo, meaning called. Thus, the church, the ecclesia, means the called out ones. In other words, the church, the collective body of all the followers of Jesus everywhere, is called out by someone for something, for a purpose. The beginning of the book of Acts has Jesus calling his disciples to a task, bringing something called the gospel, the good news, to all the world. And this gospel would go out to all the outsiders, the forgotten, the abandoned, and the excluded. And they, those outsiders, would see and receive that good news as actually good. When Jesus talked about the gospel, it was always in conjunction with something else, something called the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, God's purposes are made apparent. There's justice and righteousness. There's hope for the poor and for the oppressed. And under the kingdom of God, mercy and forgiveness take precedence over bitterness and resentment. Now, people previously deemed to be far from God are brought into his family, adopted as his sons and daughters. And the fullness of the kingdom of God, according to Jesus, is not merely expressed as a way for people to escape an evil world when they die. Rather, the good news of God's kingdom is about the announcement of God's eternity moving into the present world and carrying on into the life to come. The people who belong to Jesus join him in his worldwide restoration project. And the called out ones, the church, are committed to advancing this good news of God's kingdom into the world. Not as a means of helping people avoid the world, but rather to see God's kingdom life being made real here and now. The whole church with the power of the whole gospel for the whole world. Amen. Pastor Brenda started preaching the message for today. Which is cool. But many Christians ask, what is? what am I here for? Why don't I just get beamed up to heaven as soon as I got saved? And I'm going to answer that through the word of God today for you. Um, that was a good uh, start. But what really broke my heart a few weeks ago as I read this, I shared it with Pastor Brenda, I shared it with a few of you. Um, Christian researchers... Uh, George Barna, anybody hear him? He does research. He's a Christian researcher. He does all kinds of researches on the church and stuff. He did this research and he discovered that over 51% of born-again believers, these are church-going born-again believers, not the world, over 51% of born-again church-going believers have never heard of the Great Commission. I want to ask you right now, and be honest with me, do you know what the Great Commission is? Raise your hand if you do. 
Look around you. There's a lot of people with their hands not raised. Probably 50% in here. Really? I know Pastor Brenda talks about it all the time. I know I talk about it all the time. I went back and I looked. I've preached at least 30 messages on the Great Commission. And I know that Pastor Brenda has preached many, many. So I know you're hearing it from the pulpit here. This is amazing to me because this is the purpose of the church. After you're saved on this earth, there's something called a great commission. Co meaning together, mission meaning our purpose. And it's called the, the great commission. And Jesus gives us this great commission. What happens is Jesus comes to the earth. He dies for our sins. He gets us back on track of what we're supposed to be doing while we're on this earth. He brings us back into the family of God. And then the last few words of Jesus in all of the Gospels, but mainly Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he commissions his church and tells them what he wants them to do. Then he actually says in John, hey, I'm going to go away and I'm going to prepare mansions for you. And, and we're going to get to go to heaven and we're going to have these cool mansions. But then I'm going to come back and I'm going to receive you unto myself. But then he tells us that we've got something to do while we're on this earth. Now, some of us have more years than others. I mean, the thief on the cross, he really didn't have any years. He basically went into paradise with them immediately. But his story is told throughout eternity. So all of us got different amounts of times on this earth. But I'm going to tell you what your purpose is on this earth after you're saved, according to the word of God. Amen? But unfortunately, here's some more facts I want to share with you. Researchers show that only 40% of born-again Christians, church-going born-again Christians, read their Bible once a week. And only one in five of those that are reading their Bible once a week, only one in five will read their Bible daily. Yet this is his love letter to us and instructions. Here's something, and these are again born-again church-going believers 40% only read the Bible maybe once a year. And this is even worse. 20%, the remaining 20% of born-again, church-going Christians never read their Bible. No wonder we don't know what it says. I'll give you some more. Nearly 99% of all church-going, born-again Christians in America will not witness weekly to an unbeliever, and nearly 99% of them have never led somebody to Christ. Look around you. There's maybe 100 people in here, and I know that we're different. I know Cornerstone, there's a lot of you that have led somebody to Christ, but this is the stats on born-again believers. 99% have never led somebody to Christ. Yet we have been commissioned. It's called the Great Commission. I'm going to read it in a moment here. So I want you to just... Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. It's the last chapter in Matthew, and we're going to read 18 through 20, verses 18 through 20, the last two, the last three verses. But as you're turning there, let me give you some more stats. 90% of all Christians in America will never share their faith with anyone in their lifetime. You know, some will be able to lead people to Christ, but 90% will never even talk to anyone about their faith. 90% of born again Christians. Again, I know this church is a little different, so it's probably a lot more. It's a lot less than that. Only 20% of born-again 
Bible-believing, church-going Christians will ever invite anyone to church in a year. So over the course of the year, eight of you will never, only, 20, only two of you will out of ten, eight out of ten, don't invite people to church in a, in a year. Only 2% will invite an unchurched person in a year to church. So even the ones who are inviting people to church are inviting them church people from other churches. That's why you got so much church hopping. Never mind, I don't want to go there. And I can go on and on and on. So again, the facts, the proof is in the facts. The reason why we're not accomplishing what Pastor Brenda was breaking her heart about, what is breaking my heart about, is because you're not doing it. You're just not doing it. So what, what, what are we here for? Let's read Matthew 28, verse 20. And here's what happens in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. Jesus comes to this earth. He dies on a cross for us, gives us a way out of our sinful nature and our separation from God. We are now back in the family of God. And then he, the last thing he says in the Gospels, particularly Matthew Mark and Luke, and you can go to each one of the Gospels at the end, the last few verses in each one of those, and find this great commission. The last thing he says, and I'm going to read it out of Matthew 28, starting at verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What he's saying is, I've, I've now restored your relationship with God, and I've got something that we're going to be doing together. I'm going to be with you always, so we're going to, I'm going to tell you what it is that I want you to do until I come back. And I want the church to do this continually until I come back. What I want you to do is go make disciples of everyone around you, of all nations. And I'm going to be with you. I'm going to co-mission. This is your mission. This is the great commission. There's no, nothing greater than this mission. And you and I are going to mission together and do this. And then he leaves the earth. By the way, this is King Jesus giving us a command. It's not a suggestion. And it's never been rescinded. It's never been rescinded. So this is the purpose of the church on the earth until Jesus comes back. Period. Um, the book of Acts is called the Acts of the Disciples. The Acts of the Apostles. Some people call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. But the book of Acts is actually what happens now. The four Gospels talk about Jesus, what he did. At the end of the four Gospels, he tells us what to do. The book of Acts is a story about what the church did after they were filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and how they actually fulfilled that great commission. That's what that story is about. That's what Acts is about. The book of Acts is the story of the church fulfilling the great commission. The epistles... After that, by the way, I'm going to give you the whole Bible, the whole New Testament, very quickly here. 
The epistles are called letters. That's what epistle means in Greek. These are letters to the church that if you get off track or if you need some encouragement, this is how you fulfill the Great Commission. And it went out to each of the churches. And that's basically what all the epistles are. Then the book of Revelation, which ends the New Testament, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the revelation of Jesus Christ talks about Jesus Christ and who he did and what he did it for. And he was the lamb worthy to unroll the scroll, basically to bring us back. And his return. It talks about his return. And it talks about the time of when he's coming back. Amen? So this whole New Testament is about the Great Commission after Jesus dies on the cross and is resurrected. But over 51% of the church has never heard of it. How can we be effective in doing what he wants us to do while we're on this earth? We're going to all be in heaven for all eternity with him. But he's saying, hey, I want you to, I got a mission for you until I come back. And then he does this real cool thing. He says, hey, just before he ascends, he's with his believers. And he says, you know what? Don't start doing this yet. And I'm paraphrasing. That's in, you can look it up in Acts 1.8. I want the power. There's going to be power that's going to come upon you. And that power is going to give you the boldness, the strength. Again, I'm paraphrasing. The power that's going to come upon you, and of course that power is the Holy Spirit, is going to come upon you. And you're going to be empowered to do the Great Commission. What happens is a few days later, because he ascends then, and they're all looking as he ascends up to heaven in Acts 1, 8, 9, and 10. And the angels say, hey, what are you doing? You know, get to the place where you need to go and get empowered and get ready. So they get in the upper room, boom, Holy Spirit falls. And the church is born and the Great Commission begins to be fulfilled. That's your story. That's who you are as a church. That's what we're supposed to be about, period. Is anybody getting this? So it's not about you, as Pastor Brenda said. After you're saved and you're still on this earth, it's about commissioning with him and bringing this good news to the world around you, period. That means that whatever job you take, it better be a tent making or a thing that helps you do the Great Commission. Whatever, whoever you marry, it better be to help you to grow in doing the Great Commission. Whatever family you have, it better be helping raise them up to do the Great Commission. Whatever you do, the first thing you should be doing on this earth is the Great Commission, period. And here's what Christians do. They go and do what they want to do. They go find the job they want to find, and they go do all the stuff they want to do, and then say, God, come and bless what I'm doing. But the Word of God is very clear what we're supposed to be doing, and that's not it. We don't align our God with our lives like he's on some yo-yo that we can. Our job while we're on this earth as Christians until he takes us home is the Great Commission. Period. That's your number one purpose. So what are you thinking of most? What is on your mind? Where do you spend your money? Is it about fulfilling the Great Commission? I mean, there's even Christians... In our church, I don't even tithe. And pastor says, you know, she's not even going to mention that. How can we fulfill the Great Commission if we're not even using our money to fulfill the Great Commission? Well, that's Old Testament. 
You know, it's not fulfilling the Great Commission if you're using your money for other stuff and you put it first. If you put your money first and other stuff instead of what God wants you to do with it. Why are you sitting in front of the TV 140 hours a month? That's what they say Christians sit in front of the TV 140 hours a month. That could be a lot of time used for the Great Commission. Are you evangelizing? How do you impact your sphere or sphere of influence? How are you impacting the people that are around you and with the Great Commission? What is? What is most important to you? We were at our Friday night life group and I Sue was talking, she's mentioning some people, and we won't mention their names. There's not anybody in our church. That they're they're gripped by fear and talking about Jesus to anyone else. And so they don't do it. Yet that is what we're supposed to be doing. But the enemy's got us gripped in fear. Hmm. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to read out of Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. If you could turn to Matthew 25, verse 1. Jesus is with the disciples, and just before he uh, dies on the cross, they say, hey, what's going to happen when you come back? How are you going to come back? What's going to be the signs of your return, your second coming? They didn't call it the second coming, but what is the sign of your return? So he goes into all these things, and he tells them what's going to happen to the church, what's going to happen in the world, and then he's going to come back again, and he then gets to the end of that, and he says, uh, the fig tree will blossom, which is Israel will come back out of the nations of the world. And that just, didn't ha that just happened in 1948. From A.D. 70 to 1948, they were not a nation. So he prophesies about the fig tree coming back, and he talks about wars and rumors of wars. He talks about all these different things. And then he gives these three parables. One is the faithful servant and the evil servant. The faithful servant is found doing what he was supposed to be doing by the master, the Great Commission. The parable of the talents, which Pastor Brenda spent a lot of time teaching us on, is in this area. It's actually in this area where Jesus is trying to tell them what's going to be like and what we're supposed to be doing when he returns. And the parable of the talents is about, I've given you these talents, now go and use them. Don't go bury them. Go use them until I return. And when I return, I'm going to check out how you use the talents. Basically, again, it's the Great Commission. What are you doing in this commission we're supposed to be doing together? And I'm going to just focus today on um, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. Now, a lot of people look at this as the rapture and about Jesus Christ coming back. But I want you to know and understand that the virgins here are the church. And I'm going to read this, and I want to just share this with you. And verse 1 out of chapter 25 says, and he's telling them again what it's going to be like in the last days. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened unto ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Well, simply, the kingdom of heaven, or what's supposed to be happening on this earth is going to be likened to ten virgins. Why it's ten? Well, it might go back to the Old Testament that shows that you've got to have at least ten people before you have an assembly. The church is called the called-out assembly. So the assembly of virgins, that could mean, I'm not saying that that's what that ten means, but that's what a lot of commentaries say. Virgins, of course, are the church. And what we do is we take our lamps, our ministry, 
what we're doing with our ministry, which is the Great Commission, the Lamp. And we go meet the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. This is at the end of the age. Now, five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. What he's saying about the church, 50% of them don't get it, 50% do. That's Jesus' own words. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. The picture of the oil, again, let me teach you on this, but all, how many know that the oil represents the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit is the oil. They took no oil with them. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. Yet Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you got to get the power from the Holy Spirit that's going to come upon you or else you can't do this stuff. So these foolish virgins, the foolish church, didn't have the Holy Spirit. So they were foolish and took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels. And their lamps. Again, lamps as a ministry. But while the bridegroom delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And while Jesus was in heaven waiting for his return, all of us kind of went through our days and slumbered, slept, ate, did things basically kind of like, okay, he's going to come back sometime. This isn't really, a, they, again, the commentators say this is really isn't a negative thing. We all slumber, sleep. We all have things that we eat, we do stuff through the time. So basically, it's a more of a time went on. Jesus didn't come back. But at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. And midnight is one of the darkest times of night. We are living in some of the darkest times of our world right now. But you know what? If the lamp is on and the light is being shined into the darkness, the darkness has to flee. At midnight, a cry went out and was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Let's go out and meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Oh, boy, I've got to get my ministry in order. got to get all this stuff in order that I'm supposed to do. He's actually coming now. They got their light lamps trimmed, which means they beautified it, they arranged it, they got it all set up. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps going out. They did not have enough Holy Spirit to light their lamp. And this happens all the time in the church. You know, they look at Pastor Brenda and say, hey, we pay Pastor Brenda. Will you go do the Holy Spirit stuff and will you go visit the sick and do all these things? And will you, will you get up here and preach to us and do all the stuff for us, so we'll pay you basically to be filled with the Holy Spirit and let your lamp shine. Instead of each one of us knowing and understanding that we're all doing the work of the ministry and we all have a lamp, and we're all supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit doing the Great Commission. And as a pastor, I know and understand this. I actually would get that often, Pastor Brenda. I'd get that from people. Well, that's your job. Wow. No, the scripture says that you do the work of the ministry. My job is to try to help you do the work of the ministry. And I know that's why your heart is burdened. I see your heart. I saw up here. People, we're in the last of the last days. We were privileged to be put on this earth at this time. God thought we were good enough in him that we could handle this. But when I look at these statistics and I see what's going on, 
I say, church, wake up. Wake up. Mm. So, again, they want to go buy or give. What? You can't have my Holy Spirit. I can't give anyone my Holy, this Holy Spirit in me. I wish I could. I wish I could say, hey, Dave, boom, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we can lay hands on them, and if they receive, the Holy Spirit can you come through us as a vessel, amen? But you are responsible then to carry that on and to keep the Holy Spirit in you. It says to be filled and to be, continue to be filled. That's not my responsibility to meet you every morning and say, more Holy Spirit on you, Dave. Oh, okay, tomorrow, more Holy Spirit. That's his job. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom... Oh, I'll start with nine. But the wise answered said, No, lest there should be not enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourself. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. While the others tried to get their act together, those five, Jesus Christ comes back. And it's this beautiful picture here as he takes us into a wedding feast. And that wedding feast lasts for seven years, and it's all through the scriptures. I don't want to get into all that right now. And then those virgins who were in the wedding feast with him come back and rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years as he rules on this earth. Hallelujah. But look what happens. And why they went to, to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other five came, also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. This is, these are virgins. This, these are ones who are supposed to be born again, called in the church. And because they did not have the Holy Spirit, and they weren't doing what they're supposed to, Jesus actually says, I don't know you. I don't know you. Why? We're supposed to be commissioning with him. He said he'd never leave us or forsake us. He said he was going to commission with you. He says, all authority has been given to me. I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. Who are those he's talking to when he says you? The ones doing the great commission. You don't earn the salvation this way. Salvation is grace given. But after it's grace given, if you're not commissioning with him, what are you doing? Watch, therefore, it says, so you neither know the day or the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Mm. We're living in a time of mass shootings. We're, we're seeing chemical weapons today being poured out in Syria. Terrorism, horrible political division, hurricanes, fires, floods. Darkness is increasing on this earth. But it says that when darkness increases, that we are to rise and shine and let our light shine. But if you don't have the light for your lamp, the Holy Spirit, how can that thing shine? We need the Holy Spirit to come upon us in a mighty way. 
how many of you heard of Reinhard Bonnke? Reinhard Bonnke? I would say that between him and um, Graham, uh, Billy Graham were probably the two greatest evangelists fulfilling the Great Commission in our generation. Now, Billy Graham just died and went on into heaven. Reinhard Bonnke is still alive. I just want to read a little quote from Reinhard Bonnke about this Great Commission. It says, The cross was not a desperate, frustrated, spur-of-the-moment attempt to reach us. It was all part of a long-range plan. Christ's journey to Jerusalem and to the cross um, began neither at Bethlehem in Judea or Nazareth in Galilee, but his journey began from the foundation of the world. And it has not ended yet. He is still journeying beside us and within us. And the disciples went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working in them, showing great signs and miracles. That's in Mark 16.20. He evangelized them, and he will evangelize with you. Amen. And then he says this, Passing years could have rendered me indifferent. But with the continual warmth of his presence, somehow the Lord kept me seeing the people. He saw them from the cross, just as he said he had to do the work of the one who sent him. That same imperative infects me, and his spirit will impart the same urgency of his all-embracing desire for the whole world and any who open to that fire of eternal love. To be part of that work is our highest privilege as redeemed sons and daughters. It fills the heart with a fire that makes each day close with a sense of satisfaction and the promise of eventually having the con consuming our whole lifetime. Thank you, Lord. Let our many ends with <clears throat> let it consume our whole lifetime in the experience of his highest priority let our life let our lives be so consumed so consumed with this number one priority it is our highest purpose while we're on this earth we've got all eternity to be with him in heaven we've got all eternity but only a few short years on this earth in this finite body with one purpose one purpose I'm going to quickly just share how do you do it quickly I know I want to give time for the Holy Spirit here so I just want to share some things that I've written down that I Holy Spirit showed me how do you do it how do you do it well, these are five things that I was shown by the Holy Spirit. One, we need to learn how to hear the Word of God. We need to know the Word of God. We have to understand it's a love letter from Him. Not just the Word of God, but when He speaks to you, it must line up with the Word of God or it's not Him speaking. You must know the Word of God because if you don't know the Word of God, how are you going to know what He's saying to you? How are you going to know the Great Commission? There's 51% of the church that doesn't even know about it because they don't know the Word of God. How are you going to know your commission? How are you going to know when you read the book of Acts this is how it's done? How are you going to know if you don't read the epistles that this is how I can get back on track or this is how they did it then? And I can do it again because they were under the power of the Holy Spirit. 
The second thing is you got to surrender your will. This life on this earth after you're saved is not about you. As Pastor Brenda said in eyesight too. It's not about you. It's about the Great Commission. It's about the Gospel. That's what your life is supposed to be on this earth until he takes you home if you're saved. Jesus said it this way. Father, thou be re willing, remove this cup from me, but nevertheless not my will, but your will be done. Father, not my will, but your will be done. It's about surrendering your will. The third thing is the kingdom of heaven always comes first. The Great Commission always comes first. Be first before everything in your life. It says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It says in the Bible, your kingdom come, your will be done as it is on earth as, as it is in heaven. It's about him and about us allowing that kingdom to flow through us and touching others. First. Seek first. Not second, not third, not after you've done what you want to do. And unfortunately, that's what the church is today. A bunch of people doing what they want to do, gathering on Sunday, doing what they want to do. Not this church, but a lot of churches in general. I watched some of the stuff on TBN and the other stations. And, Hills, and I love Christians, and there's a lot of good preachers. But a lot of the messages are about, fix me up, Lord. Make me special, Lord. Give me something, Lord. It's all about me, 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 me. If you listen to the message, listen carefully to some of the messages you hear the preachers preaching today. It's about give me. He gave you already his life and his blood. It's not about give you. It's about now take this vessel and use it for your glory. How many messages have you heard about the cross lately where you take up your cross daily and die? People don't like the death message. They want me glorified. And until we surrender all, and until his kingdom comes first. And the last thing is the Great Commission is about your life. And the only way that you're going to fulfill that Great Commission is you need to be born from above and filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will empower you to do the work. You will not be able to do this in your flesh. And that's why it's not getting done. Five foolish virgins thought they could do it without the Holy Spirit. They could not. So I want you all to stand, please. And I'm just going to ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. That the power of the truth of this word come upon you. That Jesus Christ's great commission become the one thing in your life as a Christian that you're after. I want you to actually ask God, ask him, will you help me share this gospel with another person this week? Ooh, that's scary, isn't it? Come on. Every one of you. Is God giving you the spirit of fear? No, power of love and of a sound mind. If you're fearful, it's not from God. I want you to make a commitment. Are you going to commit to actually making this commission, this great commission with him to be the number one thing in your life while you're on this earth? Or is this just going to be something you're going to just, oh, that was nice to hear and walk out of here and not be changed and be 
where you are next year, next year after that. See, Jesus is coming. And he is going to check out what you've done about the great condition with him. He is going to check out if you've been walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. He is going to check out and find out what you've done with the talents he's given you. This isn't about works. The works was done in Christ. But it's about once you have Christ, what you're supposed to do. And he commanded it. Again, it wasn't a suggestion. By the way, King Jesus is still on the throne in heaven. King Jesus is still the king. Everything has been put under his feet. Everything. And he is over the Lord over all things. And this Lord has told you what he wants you to do. How can you not? How can you not? do what he told you to do as a Christian now there may be somebody here that's not a Christian never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior you know that word Lord <laughs> means that he's in control if you haven't accepted him as your Lord and Savior today's your day and I want you if you haven't to just let the Holy Spirit work on you and today's your day Come on, the commissioning of God while you're still on this earth and doing a mission with him is so cool. The reason why there's such depression on the church, the reason why the church is in such a mess is because they've lost their way and they're not fulfilling their purpose. And those who are not living in their purpose are probably the most depressed people on the earth. Those who are living within the purposes of God are on fire for God because the Holy Spirit brings that light and that fire and I say glow burn for God in the name of Jesus so I just put on you I prophesy over each of you here today that the fire burning fire of the Holy Spirit just saturate your very being to overflow you overflowing and when he lights you up that you will burn for his glory and you will cry out for more and more and more of the oil more Holy Spirit more fire and as you burn brighter and brighter for God think about this as the church then combines with each other what happens come on we already did the math long ago one will put the flight a thousand two ten thousand come on seven a billion when those fires and flames burn together there is no darkness that can stand on this earth in the name of Jesus hallelujah there's no darkness on this earth that can stand in the name of Jesus when the light of the power of the Holy Spirit is upon you come on Come on. I want to just call you all forward and ask for a new, fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit as you come forward. There's people up here that can pray with you, but I want you just to ask that of God today. Ask for more. Ask for a fresh infilling of the power of the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to show me what my part of the Great Commission is. Ask Him to give me my purpose. Help me to walk in who I am in the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on. This is what you're created for. This is your day of destiny. This is who you are. In the name of Jesus, I call you forth. I call you man of God. I call you woman of God. Rise up into your destiny in the name of Jesus. Come forth in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on. Come on.